if you paid attention to the Cardinals and Monty Ossenfort up until now, you know that he likes to make trades. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is you decide to make Big Sky Sports Talk a part of your day, my family and I greatly appreciate it. You found the only podcast in the world completely devoted to the coverage of the four major franchises of one major market, and that's Phoenix, Arizona. We do things a little bit differently. We do it from Big Sky Country, Billings, Montana. We also cover ASU football, ASU basketball uh, to go along with it, and then all presented by the un- unofficial presenting sponsor, Mooyah Billings. Get you a burger, a shake, some fries, muya sauce, and uh, let Rico and his uh, staff uh, get you uh, taken care of. Um, I don't think anybody anticipated uh, what was uh, going to transpire uh, today. Or if you're listening to this uh, um, as a part of your your Friday show, uh, and I'll still do a show uh, tomorrow after work, um, but uh, no one, I don't think anybody anticipated what happened with the Cardinals today. We'll get into more of that. Um, and if you're listening to this, I'm not breaking any news. There, there's no doubt on that. Um but it is a 100% football day. Uh, as far as my day, um, it was an off day. Off day uh, uh, today slash uh, uh, yesterday. I guess I'll go ahead and, and speak in the in the uh, uh, future set tense because I don't think uh, any of you will get this out. But um, And it's going to be somewhat of a, uh, a beefy show. We're gonna keep it, uh, like I said, all football. Um, I I do want to get to some coyotes, but I'll I'll stick that with uh, tomorrow's uh, show um, to kind of give you throughout the weekend uh, some Cardinals news, uh, our Cardinals, uh, some Coyotes news. Um, and I hate to put them on the back burner, but. Yeah, like I said, this this is going to be a long show, and I I do like the thought that it's just just football today. So, um, but it's just an off day that I had, and and uh, got everything set up for the church and um, everything that I could anyway, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's a pretty pretty lax, chill day. Had um, I did have my uh, chorizo um, breakfast burritos, and that that was good. And had dinner at my sister's house. She had some chicken, and so it was. It was a good day. Um, and I hope I hope uh, your Thursday was good, and and happy Friday to you. You made it. Um, and uh, it's uh, uh, another weekend is is here. Um, uh, so yeah, just uh, just good stuff. Good stuff going on. Um, and I, I think I'm just ready to to be honest to get to. Uh, get to the show. Uh, obviously, you know, we're talking Cardinals. Uh, Diamondbacks just actually wrapped up right before I uh, hit the record button. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about, uh, them tomorrow as, as well. Kind of be a little bit more all around show with, uh, uh, Coyotes thrown in. I'm sure some more Cardinals news and, and whatnot like that. But, uh, sound credits real briefly. 
Oh, and uh, real quick, it was good to talk to my sister. I talked to my sister, Ashley, uh, um, uh, just uh, about 30 minutes before I hit record. Talked to her for, for about 30 minutes. So um, that was that was good as well. Um, let's see. Sound credits. We have um, not necessarily... Uh, in this in this order, um, one of them actually is in this order. Um, but we have uh, Arizona Sports uh, YouTube page, uh, 98.7 Arizona Sports. Um, and then we'll have um, from that same page, the Wolf and Luke show. Um, and then an interesting topic that I 100% agree with. Um just kind of the grading of these draft picks by Steve Kime. And then uh, that's also from Arizona Sports. Uh, we'll hear from Monty Austinfort uh, from azcardinals.com, Jonathan Gannon, uh, after or before uh, uh, practice day two, um, Zavin, Con, uh, Zavin Collins, Commons. Zavin Collins after um, practice day two, joint practice day two, uh, Greg Dortch, um, DJ Humphreys, and then uh, we have Kenny Dillingham from yesterday's practice, after yesterday's practice, um, and that's from Sun Devil Source. So um, uh, Arizona Sports YouTube page, again, um, azcardinals.com and Sun Devil Source gives us uh, today's uh, sound credits. So uh, without further ado, we'll we'll get into the all football aspect of the show and start out with, of course, the Cardinals up next on Big Sky Sports Talk. Muya Burgers, Fries, Shakes, and Billings is the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. There are several Muya locations throughout the United States and a couple of locations internationally. Let's start out with the food. The burgers are fantastic. They have burgers for every lifestyle, vegan, keto, low-calorie, as well as gluten-free. My personal favorite is the cheddar bacon barbecue burger. Their fries are always fresh, and don't forget about the Muya sauce. You can get a shake to go along with it. Though the food is good... I always leave satisfied, but their customer service is at the top. Rico, he's the general manager of Muya Billings. He and his staff are top-notch. They are located at 2695 King Avenue West in Billings, Montana. So go see my guy Rico. He'll hook you up and tell him I sent you. Muya Billings, the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. Arizona Sports, breaking news. Are you going to break the news, Jerry? Yeah. <laughs> uh, according to Adam Schefter, and this is the real Adam Schefter, you never know these days, uh, there was a trade made. The Arizona Cardinals traded Isaiah Simmons <laughs> to the New York Giants for a seventh round pick. Yikes. So that takes care of that. That takes care of that, and uh, I mean, so let me let me. I'll just 
go ahead. Start. We'll get into the reboot, but it will be just mostly the reaction to this. Give me your reaction to everything regarding this story. Isaiah Simmons traded to the New York Giants for a seventh round pick not, next year. Not surprised he got traded. I mean, the reaction, I said it early this week, Isaiah Simmons and his performance or lack thereof on Saturday night against the Chiefs was the most talked about story with the Cardinals. He was he, he was only out there for 20 plus plays, but man, he was not good. He looked lost out there. Um, so when you consider looking that lost at this point, I can't be all that shocked that they only got a seventh round pick for him. His stock's not very high. No, right the now, tape Tim. Do, the tape doesn't lie, Vinny. Yeah, we, we we all we all saw the game. Jonathan Gannon, Nick Rollis saw the game. They've been watching him in practice. They they try to move him to safety. They try to salvage his time here in Arizona. Trying to salvage his NFL career. He was a liability out there. He was unplayable, and that was in a preseason game. From what they saw, from what we all saw. You couldn't put this kid on the field in in week one against the Commanders. And we talked about it on Monday. Uh, Was Isaiah Simmons even going to make the team? And by the fact that you got a seventh-round pick for him, to me, that... That's almost like... That tells me that that, that they were willing to, to release him in a few days. And the fact that... You know, he was a top 10 pick just a few years ago. I'm sure the Giants are like, well, hell, we'll we'll take a flyer on him. Yeah, yeah we'll give you a seventh-round pick. We'll see if our guys can find a spot for him. He's on his rookie deal. There's not the fifth-year extension. It was not picked up. So this this is like a, a free tryout, and basically. What, but, and and again, and, and what, what a colossal disappointment. What a colossal miss by the previous regime. Yeah, that's another one the of the perfect takeaways. icing on, on the cake I to mean, the end of that regime. Give me... A break, you know, and and you go back and you look at the, the the pre-draft grades. Isaiah Simmons was such a tremendous athlete coming out of Clemson, but there were questions. There were questions about where he would fit in the NFL. Mm-hmm. There were questions about his ability to cover. Questions about him being a tweener, you know. But you, you figured that, and we 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 talked about it. This is not hindsight. We we like to pick. But again, we're not getting paid millions of dollars to make these decisions. Yeah. Steve Kime ignored a lot of red flags, took him over Tristan Wirfs, and now they pay the, the next regime pays a dear took him over dear Lamb as well. Price. Yeah. Pays it, a dear price. It, it's it's just another another mark on Steve Kime's draft Jeez resume for, for the Arizona Cardinals. Um and look, he's still responsible. He he's like you know, a pitcher that's been removed from the game, he's still responsible yes. for some of those guys that are on base. Yeah. So it's, this might not be over yet. No, and and, what and, is, I'll, I'll, and I'll say it. I'm not going to sit here and play revisionist history and say, I told you so. I was thrilled about Isaiah Simmons at number eight. But, man, their inability and his inability to adapt to, to, to anything. Wow. It's it it's one of the it's one of the really bad draft picks in, in recent history, and that's saying something. I pointed this out yesterday or the day before, but... One year ago, he was right. Like one year ago, right now, yes. he was given the green dot to be in charge of the entire defense under a, a completely different regime of the Cardinals. But it is amazing how far he's fallen in that time. Like we don't even want this guy on the team. That's what training him for a seventh yes. round pick is, li- is literally a, is right glor- before is, your last yes. preseason game. Not even giving them one more preseason game to sort of. It's essentially we it's glorified releasing him. Yeah. We don't even want him on the team. 
And what I even had a backup role. You are unplayable. You are a liability. Pack your crap and get out of here. I wonder if they could have traded him for Trey Lance. <laughs> That's an interesting backup. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, in case you're just joining us here in the reboot, Adam Schefter breaking the news earlier. Isaiah Simmons traded from the Cardinals to the New York Giants for a seventh-round pick in next year's draft. Man, they, I, I, give, I give this regime a little bit of credit. And again, this 100%. illustrates just how loyalty does not carry over from regime to regime. This was not their guy. It was not their pick. They tried him in a different spot. Didn't work out. A lot of teams would have said, oh, man, this is a bad look for our organization. If we're going to get nothing or bench or cut an eighth overall pick, they didn't wait for it to, to turn into a real regular season problem. No, so Vinny, credit there. No, Vinny you, you, you cut your losses. You know what's yes. a worse look? Putting a guy on the field who yes. can't cover anybody. going to hurt you. That's a worse look. But are you surprised that they didn't give him the last, like, one more preseason game? No, they've seen enough. They've seen enough. Yeah, that, it wasn't a... This was not a decision made on on one just game. Just as no, they're watching yeah. him every day in practice. Yeah, Swiss. And I, it's, just, it's, just, it's just it's such an unfortunate situation on on a hundred levels. You know, yeah. and, I, and and because you're talking about a top ten pick. Let this be a lesson uh, and, and a cautionary tale for the Swiss Army knives coming into the draft. If you want to open a wine bottle, are you going to use a proper corkscrew or a Swiss Army knife? You're going to use a proper corkscrew if you've got the choice. If you want to... File uh, your nails. Yeah, if you want to file your nails... If you want to you cut something. A, yeah. Here, <laughs> All of it. Look, everybody wants a Swiss Army knife, but then you realize, well, the Swiss Army is always neutral, aren't they? <laughs> What did they guess, ever come? I guess that's yeah. why they're neutrals because they only Swiss, have those little tiny. Uh, Swiss Army knife type players are good in baseball. In basketball, even. Yeah. Positionless basketball. Doesn't work in, in Doesn't work in football. football. The players are all too good and too fast. Man, that sucks. I can't believe they traded him for a seventh round pick. We joked that are you going to really trade him if all you can get is a sixth round pick? Just yesterday, we were saying that. We just, said it, we that. just said it about Trey Lance we're, 15 minutes we're ago. We're months removed from watching DeAndre Hopkins go for nothing. They couldn't get uh-huh. anything for DeAndre Hopkins. Isn't At that, least they got something for Isaiah right. Simmons. And that, Hop, I mean, the, the weird part is Hopkins is still good. One year ago, if you would have said, you're going to lose DeAndre Hopkins and Isaiah Simmons while they're under contract and combined, all you're going to get is a seventh-round pick. <laughs> This is a tear down and rebuild. And by the way, you're going to lose them by choice. So that graphic from the preseason game the other night that did not show Isaiah Simmons as a shoe-in they knew to, something. to make this team, they absolutely knew something. Huh? Well, there you go. You've been rebooted. <laughs> Isaiah Simmons, you've been booted. <laughs> <laughs> now the Giants, uh, it's up to them to reboot him. If he can ever be, if he was definitely, ever in the first place. Definitely worth it if you're the Giants. Seventh oh, round yeah. pick and you're getting with, a with, guy with all that athleticism and talent. With no financial uh, commitments past this year? Absolutely. Uh, makes we sense. see him as an outside linebacker. <laughs> just, Wouldn't way, that be I know, I know, brutal if he's Hassan Reddick's us right now and <laughs> yeah. he, they figure it out? Oh. We, I mean, this is Arizona. That could very well happen. Uh, we see him more as a punt returner. We always have. 
H-back. Uh, yeah, we'll have a lot more uh, reaction to the Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons news. Traded to the Giants for a seventh-round pick. So as I started my show, I said that um, Monty Austin Fort uh, trades a lot, and that's what you know about him. Um, that's what today pretty much started, uh, or yesterday, rather. Um, I, and he wasn't done. It, uh, so I'll read it just kind of straight out. We agreed to trade with the New York Giants. Isaiah Simmons will go to the Giants in exchange for a seventh-round pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. Then, like, I don't know how many minutes later, you we go up. And it says, we have agreed to trade with the Houston Texans uh, offensive lineman Josh Jones and our seventh-round pick in the 2024 NFL Draft will go to the Texans in exchange for Houston's fifth-round pick in the 2024 Draft. So they turned that seventh-round pick and Josh Jones into a fifth-round pick. Okay. Then, later on, we have agreed to trade with the Cleveland Browns. We have acquired uh, quarterback Joshua Dobbs and a seventh-round pick in the 2024 NFL Draft from Cleveland in exchange for the fifth-round pick in the 2024 NFL. So they lost the seventh-round, or they gained a seventh-round pick for Isaiah Simmons, traded seventh-round pick, and um, and Josh Dobbs for a uh, a fifth, and then traded the fifth. Uh, for Josh Dobbs and gained the seventh-round pick back. Um, so, however you want to look at this, I you know, I, I you know, I, I'm not going to give a grade for these these trades. Um, but I I can say that um, the Cardinals and Monty Austin for they're not messing around. And I think he's good at trades. I, I really do. We'll see how, you know, these, these pan out. Um, but it, it, it is an interesting one uh, to, to go ahead and draft Josh Dobbs, uh, former um, Tennessee volunteer. Uh, um, and then um, Josh Jones, offensive lineman, former uh, Houston um, offensive tackle, I do believe. Um, he was a depth guy. Apparently, they haven't seen enough out of him. Uh, and so he's he was gone. I think he was a third-round pick. Um, not last year, but the year before last. Uh, so you, you have all of that. Here's something interesting. Well before um, Thursday even happened and and again if you're listening to this I guess we'll um we'll pretty much call this a a Friday edition of Big Sky Sports Talk but well before any of this happened Doug Franz on Tuesday had this thought this opinion involving the Cardinals and Isaiah Simmons so before the trade even happened let's let me put that in perspective trade happened on Thursday um, Doug Franz from Doug Franz Unplugged said this on Tuesday of the same week. Let's get into um, uh, the Cardinals, like I said. We're going to start with Jonathan Gannon, if you would, Jeff Weir production. And let's start with uh, the 
first Isaiah Simmons cut, this one, this one really upsets me. It really does. I, I don't know why Jonathan Gannon is playing us this way. I don't. But Jonathan Gannon was asked about Isaiah Simmons. And before I tell you what I think about it, I want you to get his, his opinion. Where do, you, uh, where do you see Isaiah Simmons? How is his, it was more of a question of how is the transition on film going from linebacker to safety? Yeah, I think he feels comfortable with what he's doing. Um, he's got some things he's got to clean up, but uh, I like where he's going right now. I can't believe that. I like where he's, he is. JG, what are we doing here? What uh, I don't think this is going to happen, but let me tell you the only way that that answer is justified. The only way. They're going to cut him. That is such an idiotic answer. I mean, really. <laughs> I love Jonathan Gannon. So you can understand my frustration here, okay? Um, I'm very anti-Cardinals ownership because of the things I know and the way they treat people. I, but I'm pro you. You know, you're a Cardinals fan. I'm a fan of Phoenix. I want our teams to win. And I really like Jonathan Gannon's level of accountability. Well, Jonathan, it seems pretty clear somebody's got to hold you accountable if you really meant what you said. That means you watched the game between the Chiefs and the Cardinals and you saw the lack of effort from him. Isaiah Simmons combined mental errors with physical errors and a lack of desire. How do you do all three of those things? How? He gave up a touchdown pass when he got caught into coverage. Okay. He's learning the position. You want to give him a break. Okay. Then, in a different drive, he breaks down, or he does not break down in man-to-man coverage. So, 10 guys are playing man-to-man. Isaiah Simmons is in zone. That's a mental error. So you've got a physical error on one touchdown, a mental error on a long game. But maybe you're still saying, you know what? Physical errors happen when you don't really know what you're doing. And he's learning. Mental errors certainly happen when you don't know what you're doing. Doug, it's preseason week two. The guy's learning a new position. Give him a break. I'll give you those two things. I really will. I don't agree with it. I wish you were harder on him, but okay. I understand we're all learning. You go back and listen to the old Doug Franz Unplugged podcast, you'll get a big kick out of it. I mean, you talk about a guy who had no idea what I was doing. I was learning. But then, after he played zone when everybody else is in man, and Rice ran down the left sideline, Jonathan, did you call that hustle? Do you really think Isaiah Simmons felt horrible for his mistake and was ready to tear up Rice to make sure it never happens again? Do you really think that he ran down that sideline with reckless abandon to make up for what he had done? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Then, on the Bouchelle touchdown run, I get it. It had nothing to do with Isaiah Simmons. Nothing. That was lack of containment from the defensive line. Bouchelle was ran open, and it was a broken play. All right? 
So Bouchelle getting a 15-yard gain on that 20, on that carry from like the 20 or 22-yard line, wherever it was, that's not the problem. But Isaiah Simmons running over there and getting juked by a half-step quarterback when he had zero bad intentions to lay the quarterback out, to fight for his team, to stop the touchdown. That was such an atrocious effort. And Jonathan Gannon comes back to us and says he likes where he's at? There's only three options here. Three. Jonathan Gannon's an idiot. Jonathan Gannon has zero work ethic. Or Jonathan Gannon is lying for the benefit of Isaiah Simmons because he's going to cut him. It could be number three where he's saying, you know what? There's no reason for me to trash the young man before he goes to play for another franchise. Let's, you know, he's going to go somewhere else. Why should I have to fire him up? Coaches yell at the guys they care about. Coaches yell at the guys they believe in. Maybe Jonathan Gannon doesn't believe Isaiah in Isaiah Simmons. Maybe this was a last chance effort for Isaiah Simmons and he's about ready to go on his way. And therefore, Jonathan Gannon doesn't feel the need to honestly tell any of us his assessment. Because then every other employer in the NFL is going to look at that and say, well, Jonathan Gannon can't stand him. Or Jonathan Gannon doesn't think this. Or, you know, And now it's harder for Isaiah Simmons to get a job. Maybe he's resigned himself to say, you're not the guy, and I don't see any reason to trash you on your way out. And a lot of coaches do that. A lot of coaches are classy in that way. I hate to say this. I hope Isaiah Simmons gets cut now. So I respect Jonathan Gannon. Because if he doesn't get cut, what are we doing? What? Why would you say something that ridiculous, Jonathan? Why? Why would you lie to us? Because I do not believe you're that stupid. And I do not believe you're lazy. There's no way that much energy translates to laziness. No way. But that was, there's, I don't think there's anything ever going to be said from Jonathan Gannon that's dumber or more dishonest than that comment. You are not watching the game if he's being honest. Not at all. Now, the other one. Um. So, obviously, we know he gets traded, not cut. So, again, I want to say that was Tuesday. So, great uh, information, great take by by Doug Franz. So, you know, that, and that's what you get when you listen to his podcast. You know, I love my podcast. I wish you would, you know, you bring more and more people to listen to my podcast. Uh, I understand that if you want to jump ship from my podcast and go to his, that's fine. You know, I, I get it. You know, the, the, the guy... That's all he does. I have another job, and I hope to make this one my only job. But that is his only job. That is his only income. And so if you want to go there, that's fine. Um, Please bring a bunch of friends with you. Um, If you want to do both and listen to mine, (laughs) bring some friends with you to listen to mine as well. Um, But I thought that was so cool that he, you know, felt very strongly that that something like that – could uh could have happened um there's two things that i felt like they were interesting from uh yesterday's trade not just isaiah simmons but uh getting uh josh dobbs 
is I wonder what the Cardinals are thinking at the quarterback position, not just with Kyler Murray, not, not you know, obviously Kyler Murray's going to be on the shelf, but um, David Blah, Clayton Toon, and um, Colt McCoy is a, a lack of um, confidence in uh, Clayton Toon, Colt McCoy, David Blau, a combination of 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 three or or two of the guys. Um, you know, I wonder what's going on there, and, and something that we need to to pay attention to. I wonder though if it's because I feel like we're getting so much and hearing a whole heck of a lot about Clayton Toon that it's either David Blau or Colt McCoy. And I know they like Colt for the benefit of Kyler Murray. Um, so it that that move is very very interesting, and I, I can't, you know, I I don't have a a great uh, beat or gut uh, check like Doug Franz to to give you an opinion. Um, my I I like David Blau better than Clayton Toon. And I might like David Blau better than Colt McCoy because if you're talking about giving an, uh, a guy that gives you the best opportunity right now from everything I've seen, it's David Blau. Um, as far as leadership, it's it's Colt McCoy. And so it, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting conversation. Um, here is uh, from azcardinals.com. Um, Monty Austinfort on the trade of Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, I think you know those are always considerations that that, that come into play, and um, you know we've we've had uh, we've had a, the month of training camp now and the, and the two games, and um, you know hey, there's uh, everybody on our team. There, there could have been better performances for everybody. There could have been you know some guys did some good things, some guys do some bad things. So you know really it just came down to the opportunity, um, you know, and, and where we were at with the team. We thought it was the right move. What do you say? Was this a building thing with him, or was this, did it really come down to that most recent game where you just saw something that made you decide? You no, I think you know. Really, with all these these decisions, it's a culmination. You know, we never we're never going to be a snap judgment on on you know one game or one play or you know anything like that. It's it's really a culmination of since we all got here in the spring and the training camp, and um, you know it's a decision that we came to. So you know, really not a reaction to to one particular thing. Obviously, he's a former first round pick. Does that kind of send a message to the team that hey, listen, doesn't matter where you're drafted or wherever, if you don't perform. Could be gone yeah, you know, Cam. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say that. You know, I think uh, really we we always tell the team that you know it doesn't matter how you got here. You know, like once once players get in our building, it doesn't matter free agent, drafted, undrafted free agency, high draft pick, whatever. It's it's about what you do for the team now. And so, you know, ultimately, like we have to make the best decision. We got to put the best fifty three together that we can. Um, you know, so I don't. You know, about sending a message. No, I don't. That that wasn't a part of it. I think it's really just about building the team and and getting the right fifty three in the building. I know. Well, obviously, Simmons is the guy who can get, gets dumped now. But like, are you looking for ways to, to continue to add picks for next year? No, I wouldn't say that. That's actively what we're doing. Is uh, what we're doing is trying to actively make the best decisions for us, not only this year but moving forward. So, you know, that's uh, it. It happened on this deal that it was um, that it was for a pick. You know, that's typically what trades are this time of year. Um, not something that we set out to do. Um, it's just what it's the return that came back on this exact this trade here. How close are you guys? Is there is there a lot more discussions that need to be happening before you guys get to the 53 as you guys have these? 
conversation. Absolutely. I mean, we have another great day of uh, work coming ahead of us here. It's, it's going to be a great opportunity for a lot of guys. Um, we have the game on Saturday. So, hey, everything is an evaluation. We're going to take this uh, right up until next week on the deadline to, to determine who the who the right guys are for the team. Is this something that's been on the table, having not picked up Simmons' fifth-year option? No, no. I think this is really something that's come up here in the last few days. You know, um, not something that we, uh, I'd say those, those two decisions were independent of each other. Um, you know, we made that decision back in May. Um, felt that was the right move at that time. And, um, you know, really uh, the decision uh, today was just about the opportunity that presented itself. Yeah, you know, it, it's, um, it's, it's twofold. You know, it's good. I would say it's good for the football team that uh, we have all 90 players available um, for us coming into this, this last week and this week here practicing. Um, you know, the other part of it is it makes us, we got to be really ready to go on Tuesday when that list, like it's a bigger volume of players hitting all at once instead of, you know, 10 here, 10 there uh, as terms of cut downs from other teams. So, you know, our pro staff has done uh, an unbelievable job of, grinding through these preseason games so we'll be ready for tuesday it's just you know the volume is going to be greater than what it's been you know typically when all these players hit at one time all right well there you have it from him uh we'll go ahead and and get jonathan gannon's uh um thoughts about it all and he just speaks for just a couple of uh about 20 seconds less than for uh, three minutes so uh, I'm pretty certain the majority of it is Isaiah Simmons and less uh, a, uh, another day ahead of them as it pertains to the team and joint practice. I don't think it was an issue about what Isaiah, he, he did everything that we asked him to do. It's just moving forward, we feel like this is the best way that how we want to uh, play football against other people. So uh, we're going to try to put the best guys out there that can function and do a good job for us and that's what we felt like say it again we're continue to evaluate that figure it out yeah like i said he did a really good job everything that we asked him to do he he uh he did it's just like i said we're gonna you know do what we think is best to do for the team and that's what we did I don't know if he did a really good job. If he did a really good job, he would still be on the team. Now you can say he did a really good job at following what we wanted him to do, but just didn't do it well. You know, he did a good job listening, <laughs> uh, not a good job doing, because if he did a good job doing, he would still be on the team. No, not me. Meaning, Darren, we're obviously trying to win games, so we're going to do what's best what we can do to win games. Um, the picks and all that stuff, you know, I don't handle that stuff, but um, it was, it was, we felt like it was a good decision and decided to move on. Yeah, I mean, it was a good hard-fought practice. You know, joint practices kind of sway one way or the other. I thought we did some good things on both sides of the ball, and we got some things that we need to clean up that uh, they did a really good job of. But they know this is a good football team, a playoff-caliber football team. Uh, they got some really good players, and it was a good test for us to, you know, see if we could operate and execute some things. So um, I'm looking forward to today, too. 
No, what you saw yesterday is what will be today. No, we kind of knew that was going to happen a little bit, you know, with a high temperature, high humidity, but it affects everybody out there, not just us. It's Minnesota, too. So we got to learn to play through some of that stuff and make sure that we can execute at a high level. It's going to be hot and humid in Washington. Yeah, a little, they're, they're a little nicked right now. No. Not sure. I wish him the best. All good? Thank you. Very short. Obviously, hard to hear the questions. I, I, you know, I try to hear them a little bit better. My headphones pick it up a little bit better than maybe your car speakers or anything else. But obviously, talking a lot about Isaiah Simmons, talking a lot about what the best uh, – um, plan is going forward talking a little bit about yesterday's practice thing you know it felt like it was okay uh gotta clean it up um and then there was one other question oh man i think some guys that that are you know um not you know that they didn't see uh practicing um and just kind of wondering where they were but i'm not sure who the the guys were so very very short on that before we move off of the onto the rest of things uh the isaiah uh, simmons conversation doesn't necessarily end um with uh zavin collins greg dorch and dj humphries i guarantee they'll be asking for it but um their 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 comments are going to be a lot less um likely than uh, on on the current topic than than anything else. So before we get into those guys, we'll go ahead into uh, two other topics regarding um, Isaiah Simmons and uh, um, the Cardinals as a whole. And so from the Wolf and Luke show, they just kind of talk about it, but they feel like is Isaiah Simmons, and they kind of hinted it at at it earlier uh, when we were talking about you know the bad practice Isaiah Simmons had, um, you know, will, will he be on a different team and, and play good for another team? Well, that conversation comes up again and they feel like, okay, is, is, can we press repeat for Isaiah Simmons? Like, um, or, uh, like we did for Hassan Reddick. Can we do the same for Isaiah Simmons? looking at the reaction of people online and just kind of piecing together what the reaction would be. And we're going to have a listeners only meeting later on in the show, but I, I don't even think this is unreasonable. The, the quick response from Cardinals fans is like, is this Hassan Reddick all over again? Are we going to watch this happen? I know it's slightly different circumstances, but if Hassan Reddick is dominant somewhere, or Isaiah Simmons is dominant somewhere else. Like Hassan Reddick was that's, that's a, that's a blow to the fan base right there. Well, it it is. I mean, it can't it can end up being like Hassan Reddick, but Hassan Reddick was, if I remember right, out of Temple. He was an edge rusher, mm-hmm. right? They tried to move him off the ball, struggled, didn't do well. Uh, they didn't pick up his. Did he have an option? He. What happened? I know. Then they moved him back, and then he was a free agent, and then he went to Carolina, right? Yeah, in his last year here was pretty good because they moved him back to edge and then at that point they couldn't sign him because he was getting garnering too much money so they figured it out here they just couldn't keep him here because they didn't want to pay him premier because he only had one year doing it It like okay so what is this and somebody outbid him yeah so it's 
it's similar in the in the sense that they moved guy around. He struggled, and then obviously with Hassan, they figured it out, moved him back, and he did well. Isaiah moved him to linebacker, really couldn't figure that out. Moved him to off the to back to safety, kind of this star position. Even got the green dot, so he, I guess he showed some signs of picking it up. Oh, yeah, a year ago we were talking right. about him as the star backer, <laughs> right. and now he's the Giants player. So he figured something out, but he can never translate it to in-game situations, and that's that's a hard thing. You know, it's just different layers to to these things when. You are moving guys around. They have to hold all this information. And practice is one thing because you kind of know what's happening in practice. You go through a couple of walkthroughs, and oftentimes the walkthrough is what the offense is going to show you, especially during the work week when you're preparing for a game. So if you did well in the walkthrough, if you're smart, you can feel, oh, these are the same plays we walked through, so I'm good. I'm flying around. I'm not thinking as much. Now you throw me into a game, even though I know what's expected of me or what I'm going to see, it's not scripted. It could come at any time. And am I able to recognize it when it comes and then react the right way? That's a total different skill set than being able to execute and practice at a high level. And that's the disconnect or the separation of why guys who are uber talented often don't work as well as somebody's like, well, how did this dude is out there and you like this? <laughs> it's because it's processed differently in the brain and he's able to get there quicker as if he ran 4-3 and was 6-4. Yeah. And that's the ultimate difference. And that's just where he's at right now. Maybe you can simplify some things. Maybe this coach can, in, in, uh, with the Giants explains it differently. So then it clicks. He just needs it for it to click in his mind some way, somehow, to where then he can then process information instantaneously at random throughout a game, which he's been unable to do consistently. Would you- I'll stop uh, Zoe right there. That's Lorenzo Alexander filling in for uh, Wolf, who's actually in Minnesota. I've heard uh, some questions that, he, that he's asked already um, from uh, yesterday, um, uh, yesterday's show that I had from yesterday's practice. So that's Lorenzo Alexander, who uh, played for the Cardinals, played for the Bills as a linebacker, been in somewhat of Isaiah Simmons' shoes as a a linebacker role, not necessarily as a safety role. And to add to his point, Zoe's point, it's, you know, for Isaiah Simmons, even as that middle linebacker role that that the Cardinals had him at, there are so many times we've heard questions from the media. Hey, we saw Isaiah Simmons uh, with the safeties. Uh, oh, he's just working on footwork. He's just working on footwork, you know, and, and whatnot. Uh, we we have a couple of packages that he'll be, you know, in coverage. Da, da, da. And it was kind of like a no big deal, but it was always a, a question. Um, Isaiah Simmons himself said, okay, now I'm, I'm, I'm at safety. I feel like that's a better role for me. Well, apparently not because he, you know, he's not with the team anymore. Um, but I want to add that to his point. And, and as far as the, the moving around thing, um, being similar to, to Hassan Reddick, um, I, I, you see some uh, parallels, but the, there is some, some differences for sure. Say it's fair, like just using Reddick as the other example. And man, Hassan Reddick has 39 and a half sacks in the last three years. Like, tell me that wouldn't be nice right now. And it's been yeah. spread out over three teams the Cardinals, uh, Panthers, and, and Eagles. Would you say it's fair, though, to, to look at these two players and, and say, like, Simmons looks like he has just more raw talent? It's yep. just Reddick 
And Reddick had it even tougher because they kept switching coaches here. Right, yeah. I mean, he and really decent. had a tough path. Yeah. yeah. And that matters, too. I would. And what's your question before I answer? Just, <laughs> just it seems like Simmons has the more raw talent than Reddick, yeah. but Reddick was able to put it together. But, but again, right, talent is just a precursor. That's just the, your, your, start, your start process. You can be big. There's a ton of cats that can jump out the gym, bench 400 pounds, right, but cannot play or aren't strong when they get on the field, right? You have to be able to translate that that's, that uh, athleticism to skill and then be able to process it so you know what to do and when to do it. Because yeah. just because just I, I run 4-3, if, if I can't break down and be shifty with a, with a uh, slot receiver, my 4-3 speed means nothing. Because whenever am I ever going to get to top end speed and I'm working in the slot all the time? Rare. Unless you're going taking the top off, and you're going to be in that situation maybe four or five times a game, and that's you play 50 snaps, so you have to be able to process. The thing with Hassan is that when you get moved to the edge, things get so much simpler. I don't have to communicate with nobody. I'm typically watching the the defensive uh, tackle or offensive tackle that's in front of me. Maybe a chipper. Maybe when the tackle slides down, I got to look to see if a guard is coming to kick me out, and that's about it. Right, it's real simple. It's more of a physical game, and so the thinking is not as much. And I think that's why Hassan struggled when he was off the ball because you see more, you got to think more, you got to communicate more, you got to know more of what the defense is asking because you got to fit off of guys in front of you and talk to guys behind you. And that is where Isaiah Simmons is right now, I think. And he's thinking, can't communicate or can't process it. And then from a skill perspective, has always struggled, I think, being able to break down and change laterally to cover some of these really quick guys or even tight ends yeah. that we've seen because he he almost over – you can over-pursue in when you're running to the ball to tackle. You can almost outrun yourself sometimes when you're playing maybe a lesser athlete. And so, again, you got to know who, you, who you're guarding and be able to temper your speed at times so that you're in position to break down. But if you're trying to run 4-3 every time somebody's outrunning you a little bit, you tend to get beat on these short routes, and that's where they create separation. That's where he struggled in the times that I've watched it. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's a great point because it feels like it, there have been instances where Simmons' speed has almost been used against him. Yeah, right. And, and, and you know, to your point, okay, let's say this guy runs a 4-3, and the other guy runs a 4-5, which is a huge difference in NFL terms. Yep. I get that. But if the first guy is taking a much longer path to get to where he needs to go or the wrong angle. It does, it, right. It, yeah. You might as well run four, four five. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. You're not going to run in the straight line. Yeah, because yeah. you don't do that in football. And that's been his thing. I think sometimes maybe he panics because his technique is wrong. And so you, when you panic, you tend to, oh, let me hurry up and get all my effort. And then he breaks and then it's, it's used against you. Yeah. And that's where I, I felt watching him. He was always in a state of that at times. How much do you think the Swiss Army knife mentality, though, this guy's got to play like 12 different positions? Are you just going to tee me up after I texted you, listen to those morning guys this morning, don't draft a Swiss Army. Man, I played in the league for 15 years being a Swiss Army knife, right? I never was a star elite, but I played 15 years blue-collar guy. So when people say years that, is 15 years, they, man. They just rub me, they rub me the wrong way. They rub me the wrong way. Um, it's, I think it's, it's – and I used to – you know, people say jack-of-all-trades, master of none. I changed the jack-of-all-trades, master of some. Yeah. You don't have to be great great at everything, but if you have a strong foundation, and that was the issue, he never got a strong foundation at one spot, and then you start adding these axillary um, 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 roles to his game. But whether he was going to be a safety all the time or a linebacker, let him be really strong and really understand that, 
And then schematically, he's still playing linebacker or safety. But now, hey, walk down on the edge of the line. Now you're playing outside backer by position wise, positionless, right? Then you, maybe you're blitzing. Maybe you're coming off. Maybe you're running a stunt. We did this a lot with Matt Milano, right? He he rushes all the time in Buffalo, but he's an off the ball backer. But he has a skill set, so we have certain things that allow him to use those skills. And it looks like he's lined up at outside backer right now on the line, but he's not that. And so, but he got really strong at playing wheel. And then you develop into those other things, right? And so for me, it, it was out of necessity because I was undrafted and was moving around, bubble guy, and I'm trying to add value to myself. And so I had to do it. But there's a way where you can take a, a guy that's uberly talented, give him a strong foundation, build him up, and then you add things, just much like you develop a quarterback, right? You're not giving him the whole playbook as a rookie, yeah. right? You give him a playbook, and then as he grows, you can add different things to it. Right, so it's not overwhelming, and I think they may have went too much too soon, and it was at that point he had so much stuff in his head and maybe a little lack of confidence from not performing well because he he was a top tier performer wherever he went before. When you drew back a little bit, it was already almost like he still had all that information in his head and he couldn't get it out amongst with the confidence thing. So it just was always like fighting up upstream. Yeah, it does, and we'll obviously get back into this in a little bit, but it really it it felt like um. By certainly by Saturday that the guy just needed a restart somewhere else, which I hate because I was hoping it could be here with this coaching staff, but, but we'll see. I'm sure the Giants right now are like, we only had to give up a seventh-round pick for this guy. There's no risk. Yeah, they what, if we can, what if we can do basically what you're saying and start him in one spot and give him a foundation? You know, the Isaiah Simmons conversation and with the Giants is is uh, another interesting one that I've been thinking about as well. Um, and the, the the segue into what we're talking about now is the history of uh, draft selections by uh, Steve Kime and you know what grade you would give him. But before we do that, we'll you know to to my point, it's. It was the Giants that kind of gifted Isaiah Simmons to the Cardinals at that time gifted. It doesn't look like much of a gift right now. Um, but they were, you know, they could have, they were drafted ahead of the Cardinals in that draft. They drafted four, drafted their offensive lineman. I can't remember who. And then, um, and then there were, you know, some some other pick, uh, uh, other picks that uh, happened after that that did, you know, um, you kind of got the sense that they they weren't, you know, that they had a greater need for other players that didn't fit the Isaiah Simmons bill uh, for those teams, and then um, for the Cardinals, uh, they they they, you know. Like I said at the time, at number eight was gifted Isaiah Simmons, and it was either going to be um, Isaiah Simmons or um, I can't remember who the cornerback was uh, that ended up going to Carolina. Um, but it's just kind of interesting that you know Isaiah Simmons ends up with with the the Giants anyway. So you know it's just I don't know something like I said I was thinking about. Um, Steve Kime, his worst thing, of course, was, was the draft. He had some, some of his later stuff had, you know, worked and, and he's had, you know, some okay, uh, picks, but majority have been bad. And, um, well, 
um, um, we we go back to um, uh, the Bickley and Murata show, uh, and uh, and Tim Ring filling in for for Dan. Uh, that him and Vince talk about the first round draft history um, of the past decade. And obviously all of that being with Steve Kime and it really magnifies just how bad Steve Kime was in the first round. Like I said, some of his later round stuff is, has worked out pretty good. Some of them are not on the team, but because the Cardinals are tanking or they didn't feel like paying them. Um, but a lot of these first round guys, they're not even in the league anymore. That's how bad it's been. I don't know that I, I've scouted many players like this. I tried to think about different comps. Uh, to have a guy that's essentially six foot four, 238 pounds, he ran 434 at the combine. Then you watch him on tape and you see him play the deep middle, the deep half. You see him play uh, in the box. You see him blitz, uh, rush the passer. Uh, he's sort of a Swiss Army knife and does it all. And we call call that kind of a player and a racer in this league. That is, of course, the voice of former general manager Steve Keim of the yeah, Arizona Cardinals going back to April 23rd of 2020, right after the Cardinals made that selection. Yeah, he's an eraser, all right. He's gone. <laughs> the eraser got erased. Uh, three years later, Isaiah Simmons now uh, on his way to New York to play with the Giants, potentially. Seventh round pick coming back. Um, and Steve Kime, obviously no longer a member of the organization. They move on. Monty Ossenfort takes over. And you're right. We did have a listener uh, screenshot the nine first-round draft picks made during the 10-year tenure uh, of Steve Kime as the general manager. And you want to talk about a bleak picture. I'm going to go year by year with you, Tim. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you the draft pick, and I want you to assign a letter grade, knowing what you know now, Okay. Okay. 2013, the first first round pick, seventh overall, Jonathan Cooper. <laughs> Let him. Um, I wouldn't go that far. What? Why? Why? Because Jonathan Cooper was traded to the Patriots in the deal that that okay, netted but, them Chandler Jones. You, is it, that a fair no, thing no, no. to factor in? No, no, no. The evaluation of Jonathan Cooper and how he played in the okay. National Football League and how he contributed to the Arizona Cardinals. But remember also the sales job in 2013 that was done after they traded uh, after they drafted Jonathan Cooper. Yeah, best offensive lineman already. Yes, yes. He, he came out of baggage claim as the best offensive lineman. Right. That was the line from from right. Steve Kime. He ended up playing. 20, he got hurt in that first preseason in a game against the Chargers, played 24 games. The, the fact that you flipped him at part of the Chandler-Jones deal, to me, you, you is, mitigated is the not loss. part of the grade. Okay, okay. I'm talking about the evaluation of the player. 20 and, and also, just real quick, that's sort of like saying, David Johnson, you traded for DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins. It was more the second-round pick involved in each of those trades was, I, I assume, more what got the player back. Chandler-Jones. and True. Although the Patriots ended up trading that second round like, pick elsewhere, like Bill O'Brien being dumb doesn't make David Johnson a better hey. player, <laughs> right? I mean, do you know what I mean? Like that. Twenty fourteen, they move down. They take Dayon Buchanan from Washington State. C plus. He played. He had a couple really good years. He was okay on some, on some very good football teams, right? And they but moved him from a, safety another to another guy who yep. was not playing his natural position at the NFL level. Right? They moved him to that dollar linebacker deal. Yes, but he but he played and he was he was okay. And Dayon used to get C plus. Dayon but, used to get really upset when you called him a linebacker. He did not like that. Another guy though that 
if you remember, when they picked him was sort of a surprise, a little bit higher than he was on most of the boards. Yes. 2015, 24th overall, DJ Humphreys. B+. Plus. He's a left tackle in the NFL. Yeah, he's going on a decade here. Yeah. Uh, he's become like a, a fixture at left tackle. Yeah. No, no problem with B that. B-plus. Especially after the knee-deep slow start. Yes. 2016, 29th overall, Robert Candici. <laughs> F. It's hard not to say that. F. I, F. Because the red flags were there. Yes, he they, ignored them, and he was wrong. They were coming off of a season where they won 13 games. They were one game away from going to the Super Bowl. They had the low first-round draft pick. It was leeway. They had an opportunity to roll because of what they were as a team to roll the dice on a guy with the not the cleanest record. Talent-wise, everybody was fawning. Everybody fawned over Robert Condici his whole life. But that talent never amounted to much. Right. It, it, okay, so a guy like Tyron Matthew, Steve rolled the dice. Yes. And hit a home run. Yes. Great pick. Mm-hmm. Rolled the dice on Kimdichi, got it wrong. Bad pick. All right. It happens. 2017, 13th overall, Hassan Reddick. Okay. Now, the way they handled him, obviously very incorrectly, mm-hmm. screwed it up. But in terms of evaluating the player, they got that right. Mm-hmm. He's a great NFL player. I'm going to give that pick an A. Okay? Because, because of what he's become? Yes. You picked a really good football player. Are, you just didn't know what to do with what him. Grade, Until the last year. If, if, if you're just looking at the Cardinals' career of Hassan Reddick, what grade would you give it? Well, because they screwed it up so bad, I would give the way the Cardinals handled him and what he did here probably a... a but still a high high grade for the pick. I give a yes. Yeah. Okay. You, they figured you, out how to use them. You evaluated a college football player to be a very good NFL player, and you got that right. They figured out how to use him just in time to make him good enough to go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Twenty eighteen, tenth overall. F. <laughs> Wait, we didn't even. F. We didn't even get to it. Tenth overall. I didn't know his name was F. Josh Rosen. He's like F. Murray Abraham. F. F Scott here. Fitzgerald. What do you uh, do to you? It's an. It, there's no other way to say it. It's an F. It's an F. It's an F. I, I'm not messing around here. 2019. Josh Rosen. First over, and that was Rosen, another guy they traded up for, correct? Yes. 2019, first overall, Kyler Murray. Incomplete. No, you can't do that. Oh, you're not messing no, around. No, no, no. What happened, incomplete? Mr. Not Messing Come Around? On, Professor Ring, you softy. I'm going to give Kyler Murray... A, because I'm I'm not going to, while I still have question marks, I am not going to ignore a Rookie of the Year award, a playoff appearance, a couple of Pro Bowls. Yeah. I understand the question marks. I So I'm going to give Kyler Murray, but he's also under 500 as a starter. I'm going to give Kyler Murray a B. I'm going to give him a B. Okay. I'm going to give him a B. I think that's I, fair. I'm, I'm teetering on B- minus because of the overall record, but wins are not always a quarterback stat. I'm going to give him a B. Is that fair? Yes. I, I I will listen to arguments on both sides. Higher grades, lower B, grades. B minus right now is fair. Yeah. Because, I mean, he did secure a second contract, a big money second yeah. contract from this team, but his future is still very much up right. in the air. I, and I, also, right. the, the only argument there also would be, like, would they have been better off staying with Rosen and drafting Bosa? Because they had the number one pick. It's not like... Anybody else? No, obviously not, know, because Rosen they, Rosen has had 75 other opportunities with other teams, and he clearly cannot play. So you do have to factor that in with how you grade the pick. Yeah. 
2020, eighth overall, the man of the hour, Isaiah Simmons. What's below? F, G? F minus. I mean, G. F. The only way it would be a D because he's actually still in the league and he maybe the Giants salvage something. But right now, it's a it's an F, right? Yeah, you I can't mean, even make the same claims. Like, the way you handled the Reddit grade was they identified a very good football player. They just misused him. We don't have any proof nothing. that the Cardinals even identified a very good NFL football player. Right. That, the, and that's up to another organization right. now to take that the out. The only of difference is, like, Rosen's now out of the league. Like, he's packaged yes. up. He's done. Great as in done. Isaiah Simmons is still, at this point, and the only other technically other th- salvageable. Well, the only other we thing to factor that will in, happen. the factor in potentially is that when they made the pick, people were saying it was a really good pick. Oh man, I've got the whole collection of of just the the gushing over Isaiah Simmons in front of me. So in that context of Steve Kahn wasn't the only one that turned out to be wrong. You have to sort of factor that in a little bit with how the pick was. Yeah, but I, I, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to tap in, and I remember that night because we were doing the draft show, and I was doing it from home because it's in the middle of COVID. That was that was the Roger Goodell basement draft. But I seem to think, I remember thinking, wow, Isaiah Simmons is going to fall to eight to the Cardinals. Oh, yeah. There was certainly that. Oh yeah. No GM bats a thousand. Every oh. every, every GM has a whoops but on we, his resume. We have one more at bat to go. Oh, boy. 2021, 16th overall, Zayvon Collins. It's got to be right in the middle, right? It's a C. It's a C. It's a C. So you said nobody bats 1,000, but... And there are and there should, are busts in every top 10 of every draft. You should bat more than 222 with first-round picks. That's the, there's, enough, there's enough data here. How many of those? Were there nine, you said? Nine. And then last year they traded their... Which another... As it's going to turn out, it's going to be another questionable move. But, but when, you have nine, when you have nine first-round picks, a lot of them which are first half of the first-round picks, uh-huh. you should get at least three A's out of nine? But, fellas, it's not just the first round. Go into the depths of the drafts over the 10 years. There's just too many misses throughout the second, third, and fourth rounds. There's too many Andy Isabella types. And it's not—the the fifth, sixth, and seventh, fine, whatever. It, too many misses— yeah, in, the, in the in the meat of the drafts where you are supposed to find contributors, where they didn't do it, yeah, and not not only contributors, guys that couldn't play in the league, period. And Jared, you're right. Everybody wants to point to the Isabella Metcalf thing, but there's just, there 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 are there are too many names that I won't start rattling off of guys that not only couldn't contribute, guys that just couldn't play in the league, period. Yeah, that were picked in the middle rounds. Yeah. There was, a, you know, maybe one or two decent to good drafts, but oof. Man. Offensive linemen, cornerbacks. Yeah. Yep. Have you I mean, s- names that people probably forgot, like, 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 like uh, Brandon Williams, for one, the kid out of A&M, the cornerback. Second-round pick. Right. Yeah. So, rough go from Steve Kime, most certainly. Let's move on back to um, – media availability with uh, the players and this is after day two's joint practice and we started off with uh, the last pick that uh, uh, Steve Kime had Zayvon Collins yeah 
Yeah, we had it. We put a, you know, we were challenged yesterday. We kind of came out yesterday and kind of let some outside factors affect us that we shouldn't have. Uh, I think we did decent yesterday, but we could have done a lot better with our effort. And then uh, going down to like uh, scheme things, we could have uh, been more correct on some things. We were challenged yesterday in the meetings, and we came out today, and I think we responded really well across all boards, you know, in the front, the middle, and the back there. So I think we did really good. Um, I mean, yeah, we made some big plays over there. And Jesse had a he had a batted ball and an interception. So he ran down to the end zone and got all tired and started laying on the ground. It's funny. But yeah, he made some great plays today. Football is all about responding. Yeah. To see the guys do that, that's got to be something good. At this yeah, game. yeah, it is. It is to see us all be able to do that. You know what I mean? Because it's definitely easy just to roll over and kind of play the victim sometimes. Whenever you can blame it on outside factors, and you know what I mean, it's it's nice to just see us, you know, work out of that. So where is this defense now? With almost the regular season. Uh, you know, just striving, getting better, one percent better each day. You know, finding new things to work on, new things to correct. You know, not getting, uh, not letting the old things and the small things become monotonous. Uh, I think we've done a pretty good job of that, and then sticking together, being able to meet with each other, say, hey, we're doing this wrong. Hey, we need to do on, you know, work on this to where we can all kind of come together and work as one as a unit whenever it comes time to go out there week one. When the GM trades a former first round pick, does that send a message to the team anyway? Uh, everyone's the same. It doesn't matter what you're drafted. I was drafted in the first round. I'm the same as undrafted free agent. We're all the same. We all bleed the same. We can all be cut the same. I'll be traded the same. I'll be waived the same. You got to come out and be able to put your best foot forward every day yeah. during your spot on at the dinner table. What's your reaction? You know what I mean? Isaiah. Isaiah is one of my best friends. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's yeah, obviously hard to watch him go. Uh, he's one of my best friends. He's one that's helped me whenever I was coming up and I was having a you know a rough time my rookie year. Uh, he was there, you know, like you know, teaching me things that he had been through and understand. And I, I wish him nothing but the best while he's in uh, New York. I think he's going to excel in many other ways. You know what I mean? So it's 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 awesome that uh, you know he can go and just do what he wants to do and be where he's at. But everyone's the same. You know what I'm saying? Everyone can be cut. Everyone can be traded. We're all the same. Is that reinforced more than ever just with the new coach and the new GM? Is that sort of an underlying vibe in this camp, you think? Just the no, no allegiances you know, to anyone, really, right? I mean, they didn't draft anyone except the rookie. I mean, yeah, everyone's kind of subjected to, to get cut, even if you're a rookie. You know what I'm saying? Everyone's subjected. It, it's up to them. You know what I mean? Everyone, if you mess up, I don't you know, if you could be drafted as high as possible, if you mess up outside the uh, facility, anything like that, and they're going to – you're subjected to be cut. It doesn't matter. On the field, off the field, whatever your thing, your issues are, you know, whether it's rookie class or you're drafted five years ago or whenever I was drafted, it's it's all the same. You gotta be on your toes every day. That's the NFL. Nick Rallis's uh, kind of style. What's been your impression of him coming in? Uh, kind of style. It's not black and white. He gives us some room to, you know, make some mistakes, but also, you know, be within the integrity of the defense. But it's not. It's not just like, hey, we have to do it this way, or you know, if you're not doing it like this, it's wrong. He kind of gives you some ways to be able to have your own player, you know, adaptability within the defense for the players that are within it. You know what I mean? Just so, you know, if the player's not exactly working one way he can you know adjust things to make it work for everyone and you know get the job done so it's nice Zevin Collins seemed to be like a part of this the side of the conversation where you know obviously he says it it doesn't matter where you are and but he you know he used some language that that makes me think that that it it it's that it's performance based, and of course it is performance based, but almost a hint that Zaven or the Zaven that Isaiah Simmons wasn't giving the full performance. He said it. It's up to us 
to to go out there and, and do what's right on and off the field. And basically saying, almost kind of saying that uh, Isaiah Simmons wasn't doing that. that. That's how I'm reading into it. Um, we'll go ahead and move on and go to uh, Greg Dortch, wide receiver who um, and there's been so many times that his number's been called and he he's performed. And uh, I would like I like to see more of Greg Dortch, and maybe we will this upcoming year. Um, probably will uh, I would assume because the wide receiver room is is not very good. Um, but uh, yeah, let's just hear what uh, Dortch has to say about this year in, in um, practice yesterday. Were you in or out of it? I thought I was in. Uh, if you ask me, I'm always in. So. How nice catch, though. Thank you. Appreciate it. How competitive was it these last two days? Super. Uh, you got a great team in the Minnesota Vikings, and then you have us coming in. Um, just two great teams, well coached. Just want to get good work, and I think we did that. What do you think? What sort of work did you guys get? Great work. Uh, yesterday, I'm not going to lie, it was a, lot, it was a little hot. Um, we came out a little sluggish. Um, but today, I felt like we really bounced back, and uh, it was just great work, man. I was, it was fun to be out here. You're a player that seems every training camp you are one of the you know receivers, someone who really kind of stands out. Where do you feel like you've made the biggest jump in your game this year? Uh, everywhere, honestly. Just my whole approach. Um, I feel like I'm a little bit more comfortable. This is, I'm going into year five. Um, just more comfortable uh, being out here. Um, and I just feel like I belong. I feel like I put on tape good things, and um, I just feel like I belong. Do you know what your role is going to be this year yet? It's so you know you've yeah. seen a little bit of everything, right? No idea. Um, that's not up to me. Um, just. Like always, whenever my number's called, just go in and make plays. Greg, how about just the team responding today? I guess you always mm -hmm. challenged to be better today. Just how proud of you that the team was able to, to fight back yeah. on a better practice. Yeah, super proud. Um, coaches got on our ass, um, and we came out and we responded. Um, and that's what good teams do. Um, and we have to just build off of this practice and um, come back out tomorrow and just try to do it again. Did you, you like the idea of practicing against another team as opposed to being in our squad? Love it. Um, whenever you can change your opponent and get in front of a different face. Um, I know we got some familiar faces in Byron and Jordan Hicks, but whenever you can change the scenery and change that, it's always fun. How talkative were you with Byron? Uh, a little bit. Me and Byron have a good relationship. Um, but when you're out here running full speed, every, every play is not a lot of talking. You know, you're trying to catch your breath. So uh, Byron's a great player. I'm excited to see, his, see, his, see him play. What have you seen out of Michael Wilson so far? He's a player, man. Um, he shows up every day, just the same guy, uh, ready to work. Um, honestly, there's nothing bad that I can say about Mike. He's, he's just a great player, um, and I'm excited to see him. I'm excited to see him play. What about Clayton, too? What, what sort of progression have you seen? He's grown a lot. Um, he wants to get better every day, and you can see it when he comes out here. Um, I'm really excited for him, too. Him and Mike, they're just coming in and work every day. Um, their approach, um, they're really pros. So. I'm excited to see both of them work. Like a big smile when he asked about Clayton. I mean, you guys have that chemistry. Yeah, uh, it's growing. It's growing every day. Uh, we can talk outside of football. Um, it's just it's a growing relationship, and it's fun to see it. Uh, I know he's a rookie. When I was a rookie, there were certain things that I didn't know, so I try to help him and tell him and teach him things. And he's he's open ears to everything, so it's it's fun. Uh, it's made me better a lot. Um, that's with anything, any job. If you have more experience, you kind of know what you're doing. You're more comfortable. Um, you can just play a little bit more free. Um, I feel like my game shows that.
Toon had, he started like over five years, had over 40 starts. So what's his maturity level like, especially for a rookie? Super. Um, I feel like you have to have that at that position. Um, and I, I just, honestly, I'm just super like excited to watch him play. I know that um, when, when the lights come on, he's a guy that doesn't back down. He steps up to the plate. So really excited for him. More great comments um, about Clayton Toon. And kind of gives you a little bit more clearer path. I mean, management might think something different, but a lot of players uh, really like Clayton Toon. So I guess if we have to narrow it down, it's either um, Colt McCoy or um, David Blau that uh, is being replaced by Josh Dobbs. I mean, now you spent draft capital on him, you know? And so it's uh it it's uh it, it it means a little bit more. Now going back to you know what what um what Zaven just said and even Monty Austin Ford said, hey it doesn't matter where you are, you know, you gotta be able to do your job. Um whether you're a draft pick, whether you're a trade, uh whether you're a free agent, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you got to be able to do your job. So even if, you know, maybe it's just something they want to try out for um, Josh Dobbs and then he might be gone. I don't know. He might not even make the team. That would kind of suck um, if he doesn't. But um, that I'm thinking it's Colt. Or, you know, my mind wants to go Colt a little bit and less on David Blau. But... Um, they brought uh, Josh Dobbs in for a reason. We just got to figure it out. Um, we'll move on and go to DJ Humphreys. He's the last one we're gonna get uh, get into that spoke to the media after practice. Feel to, to add to the family. Oh, awesome, awesome. I'm trying to talk my my wife into getting these twin boys on the way out, and then we could be done. You know, what I mean, get us a starting five. You, you want two more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. If I can get two more, I'd be good. If I can. Two boys, two twin boys is ideal. So I can either have me two bookend tackles or I can have me maybe a tackle and a pass rusher, just sit them in the backyard, let them go at it all day. Or maybe two pass rushers, who knows, you know what I mean? Let their two big brothers, you know what I mean, work them, get them, get them tough. So that's the plan. White says she's done, but shoot or shoot, you know what I mean? So what can I say? <laughs> Are you going to coach that team? Huh? Are you going to coach sure. that team? For sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you got two Humphreys on the team, I got a coach, I feel like. I have to. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> DJ, when you started here, you know, obviously it was just you. Now you got a whole family. Is it yeah. cool to look back on the journey a little bit and see what kind of you got at home now? Yeah, man. It's dope. It's dope. It's, I, think, I think the dopest part about it is, like, thinking about your, my, the mentality that I had as, like, a guy in, that first came to the league, single, no kids, compared to now, my mentality and how, like, being a father flowed into like my workplace, how I am in the workplace, how I am as a businessman, like all that stuff. It's crazy to think like how all that flows together and how like how impactful each one was for the other one. So it's like it's, it's super dope for me when I look back on it, it's like, yo, this is crazy. Like I was just out here parenting Dash, just figuring it out and now it's like I got a, a set way of how I do things to the third one coming along. It's wild. Yeah, it's dope. Your, your dad was so important to you. Oh yeah. It's just how, yeah. how much do you take pride in being a dad to your, your kids, right? Oh man, I mean I think I think when I look at the grand scheme of all of it, of my parents, you know what I mean, with my mom being willing 
being a willing parent to understand the situation that I had going on and what I was going through and sending me to live with my dad and like, you know what I mean, just putting her pride to the side to do that. It was like, that's probably one of the biggest sacrifices she's ever made in her life. And fast forward to my life now at 29 years old, like that, that, that happening pretty much changed my whole life. And you know what I mean? And like I said, I spoke so many times about the impact that my dad had on me. So it's always, having my dad has always made it easy for me to be a good dad because it's like, you have a direct example of somebody who did it at 15, you have no excuse. Like, you know what I mean? You, you started at 21 and you started with some change in your pocket. He did it at 15, playing football and working third shift at, at, at the plant, you know what I mean, on the weekend. So it's like, you, we can figure this thing out. It's all about effort and intent. So that, that, that made it easy. How did it feel being back out there with the guys? Oh man, it felt good. It felt good. It felt really good being on the field, running around, talking a little. Jog. Getting, getting. I, 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 every time I'm gone, I feel like getting to see guys be excited that I'm back. It's like that's that's, that's really cool for me. It's, it's always, you know, I, mean, I always wanted to have that presence where you leave and you come back and guys are like, hey. So that, that was dope. That was a, a lot of congratulations going around. So that's fun. I don't know if you heard yesterday was not the best practice, but today I hearing guys it seemed like today was better. Yeah, one of the coaches told me it was the DJ Humphreys effect. Don't quote me on that. You know what I mean? He said. It. He said it. It wasn't me. And then you it was, said it. And then I just said it. So yeah, I guess I did say it. No, no, no. It was it was dope though. It just I mean, I think it helps that it was about 20 degrees cooler today. Also, I think everybody had a little bit more energy uh, because of that. I felt that when I landed last night, I was like, Yo, did they emer did we do an emergency landing back in Arizona? Because it feels exactly the same outside right now. So it was dope. Though. It was Arizona heat with Florida humidity. That's what it was. It was crazy. Yeah. I don't even think that this is okay. Like, I didn't know Minnesota was like this. D-Hop posted on his Instagram last week. It was like 80 degrees. He had on the hoodie. It looked beautiful outside. I was like, oh, yeah, let me pack some sweatsuits just in case it get cool at night. A million degrees outside, so. I seem like up front you guys were, were better today. How did you feel like the old line did against you know, these guys today? Yeah, I didn't, I, obviously, like I said, I didn't get to see yesterday, but it looked like we were, we were up front today. We were, we were out there with a mission. We were playing together, doing a lot of communicating playing through the whistle, and that's all you can ask for when you got a group of big guys. You just get get them going, get everybody playing at a high level, and all the mistakes and stuff, we can figure that out along the way. When your GM trades a former first-round pick, does that send a message to the rest of the guys in a way? I think so, for sure. Um, I know especially to my young guys, you know, young guys seeing it, that's never really even seen someone get traded, let alone a first-round pick, you know what I mean? I think it definitely put a fire on a lot of those young guys. Like A guy like me, I, that's something that I already knew was a part of the business. Uh, obviously, I hate to see my guys they go. I felt like that was like my little brother, like one of my all the young guys. I feel like they're like my little brother. So like, especially Zay, we had a good relationship. We talked a bunch. It's always like seeing him go, man. I still haven't got a chance to reach out to him. I got to make sure I reach out to him today. But I hate to see him leave. I know he'll go to New York and, and, and figure things out and get it rolling for his career. Though. So if, you, if the ones don't play on Saturday, how regular season ready do you think the O line is? This offense is. I think so. I think we're pretty ready to see. I, I mean, I feel like we've 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 gone out there without playing at all before. And done pretty pretty decent as an offense, and I think the way that the, the the way that our offense is flowing and the 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 scheme and the, how how Coach Pitts is putting it all together and the way that we're playing off of, I think it's gonna work well for us. I think we'll be all right. All right, there's uh, DJ, and there's uh, pretty much everything Arizona Cardinals. Uh, an hour and fifteen minutes worth of Cardinals, but uh, um, yeah, there was a lot. Uh, like I said, at the beginning of this thing, I knew it was going to be a lot, and it uh, most certainly was. We'll wrap up the the uh, the show with uh, some a ASU up next on Big Sky Sports Talk. ASU had their practice yesterday, and um, another uh, preseason practice. So we'll get... Uh, Kenny Dillingham's uh, thoughts on uh, yesterday's practice. Uh, um, 
Wednesdays, unlike the Cardinals, uh, was was really good. And then the Cardinals made the adjustment and had a really good practice yesterday. Let's see if uh, ASU um, had back-to-back good practices. Yeah, I actually thought he practiced better than I initially thought. Uh, he really did. I thought uh, the game slowed down a little bit. Uh, obviously, it's the catastrophics. Got to eliminate the catastrophics. Because, uh, you know, eight plays in a row could be great. Two catastrophics, none of it matters. So I think that's the biggest thing is eliminating the catastrophics. What was your sense of today in the broader picture of where you guys are at overall? I actually felt really good today. I thought today was actually a pretty good day. We brought more physicality versus the scouts, which was good. I challenged our guys that, you know, you have to play the game physical. And we have to have that balance of being physical but also being smart. You can be physical and not finish somebody. You can take the first two steps in a collision and drive, and then you feel like you've got control and keep them up, right? That's what we've got to learn to do is we've got to learn to continue to learn to practice hard but not stupid. That doesn't mean don't practice, right? But it's a very fine line, and you, it's a skill that you've got to acquire. It seemed like a lot of emphasis today was on ball security. Why was that implemented every day as practice? Uh, every day is ball security. If you heard us saying it more today, it probably means it was a bad ball security day, right? It means that we saw a lot of bad ball security, so we're screaming, get the ball up more, right? So probably not a good thing if that's something you picked up from practice, right? It probably means we did a bad job with our ball security today, but I'll watch the tape and you know, make a real judgment. How many freshmen do you think uh, we'll see, like, not special teams, be? Uh, I would say three to eight, right? Anywhere in there, but I mean, you never know throughout a season what, what happens, you know, with, you know, you know, just people throughout a season, so who knows? How's that, how's that group look, just first class, short cycle? Uh, I feel actually really good about it. I actually talked to the staff about it the other day and talked about, it's a definition of you better watch senior film, right? When you come in late, you're behind on everybody. So your entire goal is to not sign the highly rated kids. Your entire goal is to out-evaluate people, right? So I think when you watch senior tape in that situation, you really challenge yourself to be a good evaluators. And I think uh, I think we evaluated some really good players. I mean, on the defensive side of the ball in particular, I think uh, I think we got, we found some really good DBs. Uh, in the bunch. With one week before the opener, do you still allow yourself to do some more shuffling um, various positions or just really like it to be um, you know, pretty static three down position? A little bit of shuffling, but in today's day and age, I mean, the D-line and the linebackers, I mean, you're going to play 14 guys, right? 12 to 14 guys. On the O-line, you better be ready to play eight. The wideout, you better be ready to play six to seven. At running back, you better be ready to play three. At tight end, you better be ready to play two to four. So we... You know, it's that like, okay, we have starters, great. It's like the famous thing people always talk about. Who are on the field when the game matters the most? And those are the people we trust. That person may not start. It may not fit in the game plan to open in 11 personnel. We may start the game in 12. But, you know, our A receiver may be on the field when the game's on the line because we trust him, right? Or we may have three different wide receivers on the field when the game's on the line, right, instead of the starter. I don't know. Right, same thing on defense. It's 
all about who you trust when the game's on the line is the most important thing to me, not who takes the field first. So I think there's still a little bit of a positional battle between Walden and Glass at left tackle. How do you feel like that's kind of progressed so far with the week out from? Uh, yeah, I think they're both getting better. I think uh, I think Walden's arguably our most improved O-lineman. Uh, me coaching him last year and then getting to see him here, he's just a different, he's a different human. Uh, you know, if I would have told you last year that he'd be where he's at right now, uh, I would be absolutely shocked. But he's gained weight. He's up to 300 pounds. He's mentally in a good place. I think just being back home in the sunshine, being happy, I think that that's put him in a right state of mind. Piggyback back off that, how do you feel? I mean, just the growth of the offense in these last, I mean, from the scrimmage of the canteen to just the last two weeks that they've come together. Because I know you said you've obviously uh, scripted adversity and the defensive line has kind of gotten the best of it. How do you feel in the last two weeks? Hit I think it's gotten better. And I think, I mean, part of that is we're not putting them in it. You know, we're trying to build a little confidence in us. We're not calling calls that aren't necessarily great calls. We're actually trying to script and trying to put them in position to fit their skill set. Instead of just scripting four plays and four plays and saying, okay, this one is something Jaden struggles with. We want this look. This is something Trenton struggles at. We want this look. We're scripting plays, right, and we're playing out the call regardless of the look. So your success rate is going to be a little higher because you're not scripting worst-case scenario. Whereas in fall camp, there was a little bit of times where, you know, we tried to create that. Are there some positions where you might rotate guys more than you otherwise would because it's the first game and just to get looks and, and snaps? or Not really. Okay. I, I think we're past that stage. I think we know kind of our rotations. So, I, like I said, I don't like to use the word starter just because how much we're going to rotate. But I do think uh, we have – you know, the just of our uh, rotations kind of coming to an end. So is it, is it close enough? That, that, are there any spots where it's close enough that, you know, like a left tackle or somewhere else where you might just series to series and evaluate it? Yeah, yeah, there, there are. I mean, I think a linebacker is one that you could put a numerous amount of guys there. Yeah. I think uh, uh, O-line, you could. there's a few guys that, you know, are, are all similar that you could put in, take out, and there wouldn't be a huge drop-off. Uh, so I would say those positions of wide out is one where, you know, we, we got some really good wide outs, but we got a lot of depth there. But I would say O-line linebacker for sure. You could interchange a few people and it wouldn't be a huge jump. All right. That's uh, everything uh, ASU and everything to uh, do with the, the show. Um, I, uh, as always appreciate you guys, uh, listening and, and whatnot. I know it was a long, long one of Cardinals, but I, I felt like it was pretty enter- entertaining. A lot, a lot of topics, a lot of, in- uh, opinions, um, about, uh, what happened. And it's an interesting one. Uh, Monty Austin for and the Cardinals, uh, led us with a cliffhanger with, uh, you know, acquiring Josh Dobbs. Uh, so we'll, we'll see that that one's still pretty interesting to me. Um, I liked him okay, you know, in in uh, Tennessee. You know, he he did some things. We'll see what happens. I think I think he's definitely worth a a solid uh, um, a solid three backup. Definitely, you know, or definitely a three, maybe a solid two backup, and that might be what he got brought in to do. I I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, but I, I appreciate you guys uh, listening. I will do another show, um, and and uh, after I get off work um, today, and we'll talk uh, some um, 
Coyotes and uh, Diamondbacks for sure. Maybe some more Cardinals if there's media availability and uh, and ASU if there's uh, media availability. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the that's the show. Um, please uh, listen on on uh, whatever platform you like: uh, Spotify, uh, Apple, Google, Audible, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. Uh, Stitcher, just to name a few, um, and hit that bell notification so you do not miss out on a show. Um, if you want to add anything or uh, join in the conversation in any way, Big Sky Sports Talk at gmail.com, and then Facebook and Instagram, you shoot me a message um, at Big Sky Sports Talk on Facebook and Instagram, uh, TikTok and YouTube uh, as well at Big Sky Sports Talk. Uh, I look forward to the uh, conversation. Um, and uh, whatever whatever you your thoughts are, I, I'd love to hear them. But uh, and, until tomorrow, I thank you as always, and I, I look forward to the conversation tomorrow. Thanks. <laughs>